0: Extraordinary Terrestrials, Chapter 42, Mistakes. Trip fidgeted outside of Churchy's, hardly aware of the rain. He paced with his hands in his pockets and listened for Maddie's car. It was an unconscious habit now, but it still surprised Trip every time she showed up in a quiet, healthy car. The engine had a slight tick, but was otherwise silent. Maddie used to say something about the roar of her old car. How it purred? Trip tried to remember the exact saying. Now she drove a car which actually purred, and she didn't even say it. Trip watched the shining driver's side door open. Different car. Perhaps a different Maddie. Same old Trip. You must be thinking about something mighty interesting with a look like that on your face. Maddie smiled timidly, resting her arms on the rim of her open door. A look like what? I don't have a mirror, otherwise I wouldn't ask. She let out a short laugh. <laughs> I dunno you look ponderous. I was thinking your car needs an oil change, he explained. Yeah, 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 Maddie groaned as she climbed back into her seat. Thanks for helping everyone else in the world remind me. Trip took the passenger side, and they were on their way. Where are we going? Jack's cabin. Maddie gave him a blank look. He realized he was giving her blank directions. "'Oh, head down where we went that day with Bud, down Hackmatack,' he elaborated. "'Headin' out of town?' "'Yes, almost.' Seconds of silence passed as the car accelerated. Trip could feel Maddie's eyes on him, but he kept his gaze out the window at the darkening sky." Somewhere beyond the blanket of rain clouds, the sun was setting. His focus shifted from the clouds over the bog to the beads of water on the window. It had been raining when Jack lost Heck. He knew this just as he knew where to find Jack's cabin. So, in all seriousness, what are you thinking? Maddie asked. Trip exhaled, wishing she hadn't asked. He didn't know how to gather all his hundreds of thoughts into one solid answer. Right now? he asked. Sure. Do you think you're a different person than you were this time last year? he asked. Maddie paused, which made Trip anxious. He looked to her, noting her raised eyebrows. That's a hefty one, she replied. What do you mean? What do you think? "'Have you changed?' "'Well, sure,' she said with a shrug. "'My hair is longer. I've gained some weight. I no longer drive a hazard.' Tripp gave up and returned his attentions to the sodden landscape outside his window, annoyed. She'd asked him a serious question, he'd given her his own serious question in response, and now she refused to take the question seriously.' Tripp hated to think that the wave of loneliness, which always washed over him when someone just didn't get it, could be experienced even in the company of Maddie. Maddie, for God's sake. Okay, okay, okay. I, yes, I have changed, Maddie admitted. A year ago, I was. I was a thrill seeker who hadn't actually experienced thrill, didn't know any better, didn't think there was a kind of fear that wasn't fun. A year ago, I didn't realize that your life as you knew it could be eaten up, chewed, and spat back out like Karen. Tripp sat up, intrigued but also distressed. Stop, he said. What? Why? Stop the car, he clarified. Maddie slammed on the brakes and the car jolted to a stop. Sorry, she said with a wince and a tone implying she wasn't sorry at all, just annoyed. Trip unbuckled and got out without a word. To his right, a corner of the fence which bordered the bog met with the road. To his left, the woods grew taller and denser the further down Hackmatack. Ahead of him was a canopy of trees, with smaller saplings filling in underneath. The saplings had grown in after the road stopped being used. Jack's Road. Is that? That's the road, isn't it? Maddie asked. Tripp began to walk. He heard Maddie's footsteps crunch over branches and leaves behind him. Keep going, he said. How else have you changed? Let's see, she paused. A year ago, it hadn't actually settled with me that we are a part of nature. Humans, I mean. I thought humans were too cruel and ugly to be part of nature. Now I understand that nature isn't always so nice, either. It just is. Tripp nodded. The wind stirred the leaves above, freeing the scent of pine needles and rain-soaked earth. Fragrance. It just is. But sometimes it could be what humans call nice, he said. Yeah. Yeah. Maddie agreed. They stopped a moment to enjoy the sight, sound, and smell. Looking ahead at the overgrown road, Tripp felt waves of distrust and sadness. It became more confusing by the minute. He had a vague recollection of a dream, an old man telling him something. They had been at Jack's cabin. Tripp continued his stride, drawn in by the reaching, beckoning branches and the feel of the place, the need to know more. He wanted to believe that these things he was feeling were simply residual emotions left behind by Jack. That had to be it. Just what Jack left behind. But there was something about what happened to Jack, something Trip feared could happen to him, too. "'The leaves will be out soon,' Maddie commented, stomping down some branches that were obstructing the way." And the red-winged blackbirds have started. Can you hear them? I heard some peepers earlier, too. Mm Mm-hmm, Tripp replied. Peepers and red-winged blackbirds, just like last year, when she decided to leave for months and months with little word, little consideration for her friend. Tripp tried to understand why he was feeling so angry. Now, of all times, it frightened him. Maddie was looking at him again. What? he asked. She frowned. You're not even going to ask how the first day of my internship went? How'd it go? Good. Heller and Reynolds asked some of us to stay late tomorrow. I'm gonna try, but I have an ominous feeling about it. Tripp said nothing, and this seemed to agitate Maddie further. She stopped walking, giving him no choice but to look back in exasperation. What is it? he insisted testily. I could say the same of you. You're being weird, she replied with coldness. I'm just nervous about tomorrow, he fabricated. Tripp couldn't let her worry about him. He was worried about himself enough. The moment she worried, it became a real problem instead of just something in his head. There would be no hiding it, and no fixing it. Besides, she didn't deserve to worry about him now, not after spending nine months not worrying when she should have. He trod on, seeing something emerge between the web of branches. A wall of wood. A wall of the cabin. "'That's it, isn't it?' Maddie asked. Tripp was already breaking through the little branches— not noticing or caring about the scratches on his arms. The smell of moss and rotting wood met him, and with it, a lifetime of memories. Years spent relying on oneself, feeling alone even in crowds, being judged and sentenced before being known, being content with independence. Tripp observed the front porch, Discolored but sturdy. Then one year of enlightened companionship, adventures and teamwork, battles won, eyes opened. He noted the path leading away from the porch and between the little trees to the bog. Then loss, horrible betrayal. Resentment. Confusion. Regret. Guilt. A bitter return to self-sustenance. Trip saw the sagging slate roof, the shattered windows, a woodpile overgrown with rodents' nests and saplings. His knees felt weak. My God, Maddie remarked, finally catching up to him. Tripp considered that he had always known Jack's life. Even before the bog introduced him, it was all too familiar. He looked to Maddie, at her wide eyes and wild hair, only made more wild by the humidity. And Maddie, was she anything like Heck? Tripp recalled the historian's words. The type to just run off and start a new life. A complicated person. I don't think she was very good at keeping friends. Since he'd known Maddie, Tripp had never met a friend of hers more than once. She didn't keep them long before moving on to someone new, excepting himself. He'd often wondered what made him so special. Perhaps he wasn't special at all. Are we going inside? Maddie asked. Without answering, Trip took a tentative step onto the porch. It creaked, but held him. It was newer than the rest of the structure. Jack had built it himself. "'What's that stain?' Mattie inquired, pointing to a dark patch on the old wood. Trip swallowed, thinking of Fred. Fred was at home, curled up and warm, perfectly fine. "'An animal died there,' he answered. "'Oh.' One of Jack's cats. One? How many did he have? I'm not sure. Tripp put his hand on the door, feeling the worn, damp wood. All the cabin's windows were shattered, vandals from years ago. He turned and took in the view off the porch. The sun was setting between the trees, pinks and yellows. For a bewildering moment, Tripp thought he was actually seeing the sunset, But the sound of the rain on the leaves reminded him not pinks and yellows, grey and overcast, darkening. The bog is that way. See the path? He pointed to the nearly vanished opening between the trees. Why was there a path? Mattie asked. Heck, she likes she liked visiting the bog, Tripp inhaled sharply. This is strange. Do you want to leave? she asked. He realized she was concerned about him. He also realized the goosebumps on her legs. No. He turned back to the door and grasped the rusted knob. It made the jarring creak of tall trees groaning in the wind. In the corner of his eye, Tripp saw Maddie start at the sound. Good. Opening the door, he was first greeted by the smell. Mildew, must, mold, and rodents who had taken residence in Jack's absence. Over all of it, there was a sweet and warm smell, which Trip could not identify. That smell had always been there, even before Jack had smelled it himself. It was dark inside, and only growing darker as the sun set. This did not stop Trip from rushing in and immediately stumbling on an overturned chair. "Geez, Trip, what's the hurry? Maddie gasped. She turned on a flashlight, revealing her startled face. Sorry. Tripp placed the chair upright, noting the table, then the kitchen and living space. Maddie's light fell upon selected objects, the table with the one leg that was different from the others, the kitchen sink with a chipmunk-dissected pinecone in its basin, cobwebs in every corner, a greenish tint to the wood surrounding each broken window, Shattered bowls and plates strewn on the wooden floor. Chipmunks, mice, and spiders hadn't been the only visitors. More vandals, possibly ones who harbored a resentment towards Jack, and possibly ones who had never known him, had pillaged the cabin. Tripp knew nothing of them. They had been here after Jack left. No memories. There was a gnawing ache in Tripp's stomach. The cabin made it clear, even after decades of abuse and neglect, the type of lifestyle Jack led. There came times when self-sustenance hadn't seemed necessary to the man, and he'd forget to take care of himself. Tripp knew the ache in his own stomach was Jack's hunger. Perhaps he didn't have enough food and perhaps he didn't have enough appetite. The old man would go for so long without food that the hunger turned to nausea, and the nausea turned to weakness, an overworked racing heart, a failing system. Tripp picked up the handle of a coffee mug. A death. Maddie stepped inside and shut the door behind her. She was exuding waves of expectancy, wondering what they were doing, what was supposed to happen next, and Tripp just didn't know. So, she started. Keep going, he interrupted, still examining the broken dish debris, for fear of meeting her eyes. What? How else have you changed? Karen opened her eyes, feeling clearer than she had in months. There was something she needed to do, someone she needed to speak to. She sat up in bed as much as she could. It startled her brother. Karen? he asked, as if it might not be her. It was all too plausible that it wasn't her. Yes, Joe, she said. She met his eyes. He could help her. I need you to listen very carefully. Joe rose from his seat, wearing that fragile look he sometimes got. He was her kid brother in that moment, five years old again, listening while she explained why mom and dad couldn't afford the swing set on the edge of tears. Karen, he repeated. Karen rolled her eyes. He couldn't afford to be this sensitive. Not right now. I need you to call my lawyer. I need to meet with her tonight." He gulped, already knowing what she meant. Damn him for knowing her so well. Your will, he uttered. You want to edit your will? Yes. why are you asking me this? Maddie was visibly fed up. Her anger gave Tripp a strange satisfaction. I don't have an answer to that. I don't know, he replied with a shrug. It was true. He couldn't explain any of his actions. The glare she directed at him, though lost in the dark room, was still easily sensed. You're all questions and no answers today, she stated. It's very selfish. Tripp faced her. He was selfish. Maddie was telling him he was selfish. "'I'm selfish?' he challenged. Maddie narrowed her eyes. It was a look she'd practiced for years, one that asked for honest and straightforward insults instead of passive-aggressive comments. Tripp knew the look. He'd seen it more than a few hundred times, but he wasn't playing her game. She had to play his. "'What are you saying?' she asked. He did not answer. Instead, he turned away and tossed the piece of a broken dish he'd been fiddling with. She chose to repeat herself with more venom. What are you saying? Trip was saying nothing. He kicked at debris. Maddie sighed, exasperated. (sighs) Fine, she said. How else have I changed? I'm... I'm less likely to change my mind, more inclined to choose something and stick with it. Be confident with my decisions. Less flighty? Are you? Tripp interrupted. He watched Maddie, hoping it made her skin crawl. Just say it. What do you want from me, Trip? She asked, barely controlling her tone. I want to trust you, he replied with a simple shrug. You don't? Maddie asked in disbelief. Trip, I'm your best friend. Six years. I... I saved your life for God's sake.' "'And then you left,' Tripp retorted. "'For nine months. Hardly a word. "'Well, I'm here now, aren't I?' "'Not a care in the world. Not a single consideration of what it was doing to me. "'I get that you needed your family, though I can't relate, "'but you could have at least called, at least shown in some way "'that you hadn't forgotten me, for God's sake,' he continued. "'His voice had raised in volume. He didn't care.' "'Maddie, you may as well have left me for dead in the bog that night.' "'Oh, please, Trip! Maddie scoffed. "'She thought he was being melodramatic. "'He couldn't allow this. "'No, you forgot me,' he cut in, holding up a finger. "'It shook, and Tripp realized his agitation had now visibly reached every extremity. "'You don't get to roll your eyes, not this time. "'If you abandoned me once, you could do it again.' Tomorrow we are going to do something very illegal, in multiple ways. How do I know you're not going to flee the scene again just because things get too scary and real? Did you see me running? Did you see me making an anonymous call to Phil Hadlock? No. I stood my ground. While you went in hiding, unable to face consequences, unable to face yourself, unable to face me. Maddie's dark silhouette was very still. She spoke through her teeth in a low growl of a voice. Why don't you ask yourself how you've changed in the past year, Trip? Any ideas? Hell, how about in the past six years? How dare you call me a coward, after all the things you would have never had the guts to do if it weren't for me, all the things you still don't have the guts to do? You're right. Tripp nodded regretfully, unable to stop himself from what he said next. But if you actually look at it, all the things I'm afraid to do are because they're the mistakes you've already made. Then Maddie punched him in the face. Extraordinary Terrestrials is written, read, and recorded by Miriam Rumkunis. All piano music was written and performed by Jonas Rumkunis. All public domain organ music was performed by John Rumkunis. All other music was written and performed by Miriam Rumkunis. Needless to say, all rights reserved. Tune in every Thursday for the next chapter. The spring peepers heard at the beginning of this chapter were recorded in South Berwick, Maine, by free sound user Bud Gillette. A link to their recording is in the show notes. If you like what you hear, please leave ratings and reviews for Extraordinary Terrestrials on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, and Libsyn. To get a shout-out from Churchy, you can contribute to the podcast's Patreon, which is linked in the show notes. You can also follow the podcast and tell your friends on Facebook and Twitter, as well as the website ExtraordinaryTerrestrialsPodcast.com. Lastly, go outside. Often the concepts of jobs and environmentalism are depicted as being at odds with each other, especially in the labor workforce. It doesn't have to be that way. In fact, some feel the two ought to go hand in hand. That's what the good folks of the Blue-Green Alliance are working on. This alliance unites America's most prominent labor unions with environmental organizations to promote clean jobs, clean infrastructure, and fair trade. To learn more, visit www.bluegreenalliance.org. At the very least, go outside. Thanks for listening.